The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you. Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life. Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. I must admit that I laughed when I realized what our gospel reading this morning would be. I have been pursued by this gospel for many years, ever since it was the very first text that I was called to address in my very first preaching class. I must have preached on it about 15 times or more. I usually hear it and respond to it as an insider as a Christian whose whole identity is held within and shaped by the mystery of Christ's cross and resurrection. But today, I come to you as an insider who is also an outsider. I'm a priest of this diocese, a professor at the Episcopal Seminary in Berkeley, and I'm here at the very kind invitation of your rector. And I'm also here as a board member of Episcopal Community Services of San Francisco. ECS is an institution of our diocese that is also an independent nonprofit, fulfilling its mission by meeting needs out in the world, a long way outside the boundaries of the Christian church. And so for today, I have to look at this gospel and at the centrality of the cross that it proclaims from a different perspective, from that of an insider who is also an outsider. I suspect that this is actually a very useful exercise for all of us, because after all, we live most of our lives out there in the world, well outside the boundaries of the church, and often, we have to work out what to do about our Christian identity and our core Christian commitments in a culture that is decidedly post-Christian, where the cross is generally seen as simply one of many symbols most often used in jewelry. So here we are, listening to Jesus telling us to take up the cross, to set our mind on divine things, 
to be willing to lose out on life on the world's terms and not to be ashamed about any of that. Clearly, we are called to be distinctively Christian, to place our whole trust in Christ, crucified and risen, to make that the very center of ourselves and our lives. But the place in which we are called to do these things is the secular world, where we live and work alongside people of all faiths and none at all, where we don't want to lose our identity, but where we know we can't retreat into any kind of pure Christian bubble. So what does it mean to take up the cross in the sense of living as Christians in the world as it is today? One thing it's important to remember when we think about this is that when he talked about taking up the cross, Jesus wasn't talking about the cross as a religious symbol. For Jesus, and for his listeners, the cross was a very present instrument of death. It was the method of execution that the conquering Romans reserved for rebels and slaves, a public means of torture till death that was designed to act as the most severe deterrent possible to any kind of resistance or uprising. During the years when Jesus would have been an adolescent, just such an uprising against the Romans was brutally suppressed near his home in Galilee. The road from Nazareth to Capernaum along which Jesus may well have walked daily with his father on the way to their work as carpenters, was lined with crosses. Each one bore the agonized body of someone who had been forced to take up and carry the cross beam upon which he was then nailed, someone paying the full price for resisting empire. This is what Jesus is talking about when he tells people to take up their cross. It's not surprising, therefore, that it was a long time before the early Christians felt able to use the cross at all as a visible symbol of their faith, even though they had put their trust in the saving power of Jesus' cross and resurrection right from the start. It was several hundred years before representations of the cross adorned churches, before crosses began to be worn by Christians. It's almost impossible for us to imagine the magnitude of this shift, because most of us have never lived under oppression or had an instrument of violent death placed regularly before our horrified eyes. I suppose the the best example from today would be wearing an image of an assault rifle around our necks. So I think it's important to remember that for Christians, the cross as an outward object and symbol needs to be much less important to us than Christ's cross and resurrection as central saving realities in our lives. Another thing that it's important to remember when we reflect on what it means to take up the cross in a post-Christian world, is the damage that the cross has done over the centuries in the hands of the church. 
a lot of complicated history, and a lot of human sin lie behind the re-entanglement of the cross with the activities of empire and conquest and colonizing, but on the wrong side this time, on the side of plunder and forced conversions and even genocide. However much we rightly recoil from those elements of our Christian history, however much we repudiate them as contrary to the saving love that Christ's cross can and should convey, we can never make those past events go away. And for many people in our post-Christian world, the Christian cross is associated painfully not only with events in the distant past, but much closer to home with the abuse of children and the marginalization of women and the condemnation of gay and lesbian people. It's a complicated thing for a Christian to take up the cross in the world today. So what are we to do? I think that Jesus himself provides us with the example that we, we need. Simply because, though it's easy to forget this, Jesus does not take up the cross as a Christian. And the cross he bears is not yet a religious symbol laden with 2,000 years of historical baggage. Jesus takes up the cross as the Son of Man, which is most accurately translated simply as the human being. He takes it up without violence, not for the sake of conquest or power, but in solidarity with all other human beings who suffer and die. Jesus pours out his life on the cross for the sake of others, and it's that self-emptying, sacrificial love that is raised up in glory by God in Christ's resurrection, and which becomes the mainspring of our life of faith. And so, as followers of Jesus, this is how we should take up the cross too. This is how we should act as Christians in the world, as human beings, in solidarity and love with all other human beings, and especially with the poor and oppressed, the very ones with whom Jesus identified so strongly. And in particular, when we act in the world out of our distinctively Christian identity, it should look like the complete opposite of coercion or exploitation or assertion of any kind of privilege. We should be willing to empty ourselves, as Jesus did, not letting go of our Christian identity or commitment, never denying it, but willing, being willing to keep it deep within ourselves rather than waving it in front of other people's faces in a threatening or a self-aggrandizing way. And so we can and should, as Christians, work alongside people of goodwill who don't share our faith, taking part in ministries of service and justice that don't have the Christian brand stamped clearly all over them, entering into partnerships where we don't call the shots, generously sharing our resources for the sake of simply meeting human needs.
we should never, ever do to the cross what history has so often done, namely use it as something to beat people up. Only in this way can we put the greatest distance possible between our actions in the world and the kind of oppressive things that have been done in the name of Christ under the banner of the cross throughout our sinful history. And only in this way, ironically, can we fully witness to the saving power of Jesus Christ, the human being, the one who on the cross poured out his life for others. So it's easy for me to come to you today as an insider who is also an outsider, because that's exactly what a Christian is called to be. It's easy to talk for me to talk with you and to talk more later with my colleagues, Sarah and Beth, who are here with me, about how excited I am as a Christian priest to be associated with the work of ECS. This is an institution founded by our own diocese that now operates as an independent nonprofit because it's in this way that it can serve the needs of the most vulnerable people in the most wide-ranging and effective ways with the greatest number of partners. It's easy for me to see how ECS's public service of building supportive housing and running shelters for unhoused people and doing long-term case management and providing job training, education, and advocating in the halls of government, all these things are ways in which the self-emptying power of Christ's cross is being lived out in the world today. I can see that, even though, or perhaps even because, there are no crosses in ECS facilities even though no one is forced to pray before they are offered food or shelter, and even though many of our partners are people of other faiths or people of goodwill, plain and simple. I'm here this morning to encourage all of us to cultivate this kind of double vision, this insider-outsider perspective, precisely so that we can live out our core Christian calling to pour ourselves out for others in the fullest possible way. If we've been deeply formed by putting our whole trust in the saving power of Christ's cross and resurrection, then we can rest secure in that identity. We can hold it deep within ourselves and step forward into the world around us with open arms. We can join in God's redeeming work wherever we see that happening, with whomever happens to walk alongside us. Because we know that when we let go of the cross as an exclusive religious symbol for the sake of being more generously inclusive, we are in fact taking up our cross and showing the world the same kind of self-emptying love that Jesus himself revealed. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.